Peggy. Um, we are continuing in our series on 1 John, and you're from St. George, and uh, you weren't during Bandy this morning, that you missed the block, and you're going to have to listen to the podcast. And uh, you're going to find out some really interesting stuff about one of the, the harder verses in the Bible. It says that if you ever sin, you're never going to be, you're, never, you're not a child of God. So, oh, that rules out everybody here. So, you want to know how it ends? Well, you've got to listen to this morning. That's, that's as good as it gets. I'm reading from 1 John chapter 3, verse 10. This is how we know who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Anyone who does not do what is right is not a child of God, nor is anyone who does not love his brother. This is the message you've heard from the beginning. We should love one another. Do not be like Cain, who belonged to the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own actions were evil and his brothers were righteous. Do not be surprised, my brothers, if the world hates you. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love our brothers. Anyone who does not love remains in death. Anyone who hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life in him. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. If anyone has material possessions and sees his brother in need but has no pity on him, how can the love of God be in him? Dear children, let us not love with words or tongue, but with actions and and in truth. Okay. There's a lot of love in this passage, but it's not an easy love, is it? And again, John is telling us that Christians will be known by the way that they love one another. By the way that they love. Do you get tired of hearing this? No? We get a lot of messages about love, don't we? So let's put a new spin on it. No, that's not. <laughs> Actually, it's not, it's not a message about a new spin. This is the bread and butter of Christianity. Bread and butter means it's your staple food. It's like rice if you come from Myanmar. Yeah, is that right? You can't live without it, can you? This is the thing that's with every meal, is love. And um, the reason we preach on it so much is because we come to it in the Bible so much. It's central. And it is the staple, not just on this earth, it is for eternity. It's not, this is how you should live now, but in heaven it's going to be any different. Okay? In heaven, how will we be? We'll be in love with God and we'll be loving one another. It's an eternal thing. It's not a burden. The law of God is not a burden. It's the nature of God himself. And it will be forever. And it's the nature of his children. His sons and his daughters. Why? Because they're like him. Yep. And in one sense, what John says is, I want you to be as you already are. Makes sense? I have made you into my children, right? So I've made you into people who love one another. So do it. It's a bit like, when a 14-year-old does something stupid and you say something like, act your age. 
okay? You're not a five-year-old to act like a 14-year-old, yeah? What does it mean? It means everything you've got to act a little bit adultly is already in you. So do it. Don't act like a twit, yeah? You have everything in you. You are children of God. You have everything in you to love. So do it. Live in it. Act like your father. Because anyone who does not love, sorry, anyone who does not love what is right is not a child of God, nor is anyone who does not love his brother. Because the child of God knows what is right. It's written on their hearts. And so it's not just a, a command that, you know, love one another people. It is a command that speaks to something in you, which is the Holy Spirit, who knows that that command is true and empowers you to do the very thing he calls you to. Does that make sense? Okay. The children of God hear and obey. It's a great thing about, you know, people go, oh, heavy commandments, heavy exhortations in Scripture tell us to do stuff. It's not heavy if you're a child of God because what it is is that command calling to you who knows what is good and right and you, and you have the power to obey and it's a joy to obey the law of God. It's not a burden. The Spirit bears witness in our souls to what is true. So do not be like Cain who belonged to the evil one Cain belonged to the devil and murdered his brother. Why did he murder him? Because his own actions were evil and his brothers were righteous. Now, it's not saying he murdered him because his own actions of murdering was evil. It's talking about something that happened just before that. Do you know the story? Why did Cain murder his brother? Uh, because his actions were evil with what happens. Remember, they brought a sacrifice to God. I'll read from Genesis 4, verse 2. Now Abel kept flocks and Cain worked the soil. In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. But Abel brought fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favour on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering he did not look with favour, so Cain was angry and his face was downcast. Now, if you read that, one part of it is, it says that Cain bought some fruits of the soil, bought a bit. Abel bought fat portions from the firstborn. Okay, so he brought more. So is that why God liked it? Because he bought more? Well, that's partially true, but it's more than that. Because in, in Hebrews 11 verse 4, we hear this. By faith, Abel offered God a better sacrifice than Cain did. By faith he was commended as a righteous man when he spoke well of uh, when God spoke well of his offerings, and by faith he still speaks even though he is dead. So what is it that made Abel's offering acceptable to God? Not that he brought more, but that he came by faith. He came by reliance, by trusting God, and he brought it to Him, and and that's why he brought more, obviously, because when you live by faith, you got more to give to God, because. That's what God could see the, the heart. Now, just this is just a little side thing, but in Romans 14, we're told everything that does not come from by faith is sin. Okay, so the action is part of it, but how we're living towards God through all that we do makes it sin or not. Abel had faith; he brought his offering to God, and God accepted it. 
And Cain was jealous. You could say he was jealous as hell. Because that's where he's from. That's what it, where his heart was. And so he killed Abel. Why? Because of his righteousness. Be- because his brother's actions were righteous and he was evil. In other words, he saw that Abel was good. We, we, we by nature, when we know our sin, we despise someone who's, who's good and living right. It's a, it's a funny thing, isn't it? And, and people hate righteous people, people who trust God with their heart. When I'm talking about people, I'm talking about people from the world. There's something about this. If you live by faith, don't think the world's going to love you. Okay? There's a way of living by the world. If you want to live that way, live by pride and lust, and the world will love you. That's what uh, right, uh, sorry, 1 John 2 says. But when you live opposite to the world, don't think that it's going to love you. It's not. To have God at the centre, not yourself, because that's what the world does. It puts itself at the centre, which is the opposite to love, which puts other people at the centre. Verse 13 says, Do not be surprised, my brothers, if the world hates you. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love our brothers. Proof of the fact that we have been saved is that we love. Anyone who does not love remains in death. So, those who love won't necessarily be loved for it. Does that make sense? You won't be loved for loving And the righteous person does something which is totally incredible. They love enemies. Jesus said that, didn't he? He said it as a command, but also as something we know is right. Have you ever loved an enemy and thought, this is actually right, this is is good, even though you don't necessarily get the, the lovely warmth coming back at you? It's just right and true. Love those who persecute you. Love those who hate you. Now, this is, I'm going to read to you, I think, one of the hardest passages to, for Christian life in Scripture from Luke 6. It's, it's Luke 6, verse 23, uh, 27, if you get them up, Jordan. I think if you actually look at this, you would say, no way. It's only Jesus saying it, so it's not that important, right? Okay, he says this. But I tell you who hear me. Now, just look at that first bit. Who hears what he's saying? The, verse 27. To those who are listening, well, mine says a bit different, but often he finishes these with, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Because when you have the spirit within, you hear the word and you naturally do the word. But I tell you who hear me, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Oh, that's easy. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. If someone strikes you on one cheek, turn to him the other also. If someone takes your cloak, do not stop him from taking a tunic. Give to everyone who asks you, and if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Ouch. Do to others as you would have them do to you. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Okay, you can go on, it doesn't get any easier. Okay. 
Because, you see, we live in a world, and you've talked about the world, the world demands rights. I have a right to have you love and respect me. And therefore, I will love and respect you when you love and respect me. But Jesus, who laid down his glory to become a servant, a slave, unto death, when we say love your enemies, I mean, there's a big, there's a big yeah, but, isn't there? Watch, watch out for big buts. Um, we, <laughs> don't take that the wrong way. We love to love those who love us back. But what credit is that to us? Be like Jesus. He goes on in verse 15. Anyone who hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life in him. That's, that's really harsh, isn't it? If you hate your brother, you're a murderer. Now, Jesus also said some hard words about this in Matthew 5. He said, I don't have the verse, that's not what he said. But he said, but I tell you, you know this verse. Anyone who is angry with his brother will be subject to judgment. That's good, because we don't ever get angry with our brothers, do we? Anyone who says to his brother, Raka, is answerable to the Sanhedrin, but anyone who says, you fool, will be in, the danger, in danger of the fire of hell. I think we call people worse than fools sometimes, don't we? He, he's talking about the fact that you actually you murder somebody just in your heart by the, the, almost the, the way you curse them. Uh, I don't mean that in a spiritual sense, but just you abuse them. Murder in the heart. So when he says, anyone who hates his brother is a murderer, it's, this is... This is really strong. So, how are we to love? Well, we're to love, I'll say it again, as God loves, and we are his children. And let me tell you again, you cannot do this on your own. You need the Holy Spirit. And one of the fruit of the Spirit is love. And joy and peace. You need all that to love your enemy. And patience or long-suffering, you need that. Kindness, gentleness, goodness and faithfulness. And you need a whole lot of self-control. And where does that come from? It's the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Again, I say, these commands of Jesus seem impossible except for we know the one who gives us what we need to obey them. So a question then, if we talk about love, what is love? Now John gives... Uh, a similar answer most times. And in verse 16 he says this, This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. So it is giving somebody else to the point of laying down your life. Do you know, love, in one sense, to love somebody else it always actually hurts because there is one part of you that has to give up something of your flesh or your sinful nature to serve that other person because I want to do this for myself and love says, yes, but I've got to put that aside and do something for another person. I've got to put one part of me aside to love. It, it, it hurts, but it doesn't hurt bad. You understand, it doesn't hurt in a bad way. It hurts right. But it's not, uh, we, not, we are actually, it's, we know when Jesus said it's, it's better to give than receive, is that, is that Jesus? Anyway, he's it, saying you're actually blessed 
when you give up of yourself. Okay? So this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. So it's giving to the point of laying down your life. So it's, it's big. Putting yourself above others. And I'll say it again. We need the Holy Spirit to do this. On our own, of ourselves, we are totally self-centred. But with the Spirit of God, when we've been born again as children of God, we are born with a new heart and the Holy Spirit. Now, Ezekiel 36, the verse we often look at in verse 27, you don't have to get up for it. It says, when he's talking about new covenant, when Jesus comes, I will put my spirit in you, and I will move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. In other words, what's going to cause you to have the strength and even the desire to keep God's laws? The Holy Spirit living within. And, and he drives you down a path. Now, at very simple, there's a, there's a lot of laws in the law of God, but obviously when Jesus was asked, he was, what's, the, what's the most important word? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength and to love your neighbour as yourself. So, to, to do that love and have the desire for that love comes from the Holy Spirit. Again, of Jesus, we're told by John in 1 John, this is love, not that we love God, but he loved us and gave his son as a propitiation for our sins. And uh, propitiation, just for those who haven't heard me say this, ad nauseum as a definition it means that he bore the wrath or the anger of God against that was supposedly towards us. He stood in the way and took the full wrath of God in our place. The anger of God against our sins. That's propitiation. And that is love. This is love. Not that we love God, but he loved us and gave his son as a propitiation for our sins. There's your definition it's not easy love, is it? It takes everything we have and everything God has to actually live in that. So, if anyone in verse 17 has material possessions and sees his brother in need but has no pity on him, how can he love how can the love of God be in him? Now this, sorry, have pity on him doesn't mean oh poor boy, poor girl. It's not that, is it? He's talking about a pity that result. Why, is he, why did he mention you have material possessions? He's talking about you, you give some of those to that person, don't you? And, and that's a sign of love. Now, giving away stuff hurts, actually. Because I've got stuff that's mine and I like it. And there's certain stuff I'll give away, but that's not the bits at the centre of what I like. It's the bits around the edge. It's the bits that are not worth so much to me, you know. To share like Jesus. Now, of course, he's only meaning people who deserve it. Yeah? Because right. Jesus only died for those people who deserved it, didn't he? That's a joke. Dear children, and this is kind of the sum up, do not love with words or tongue, but with actions and in truth. Love is not with words or tongue. Now, but with actions in truth. Now, we say I love you, and it's an important thing. It's, I don't think he's saying don't tell people you don't, you, you, 
You know, don't say, I love you. But those words actually don't mean much unless there is an action that backs them up. Is that true? Now, a lot of us who are probably in our 50s now, which is, gee, almost most people here, would say something like, of our parents, because our parents were never that good at expressing themselves towards us. And let's just say my dad. We would say, my dad never said I love you much. But I knew he loved me. Actually, there was never a doubt for me. Is that true for a lot of you? And, and so as a reaction to that, with my girls, we tell them, I love you, I love you, I love you. But we're, we're always telling them, okay? But I actually think this. I think my daughters are about equally as confident of my love for them as I was of my dad, who never told me. Do you understand what I'm saying? Because I knew by his actions. Now, I'm not saying don't say I love you, I say it again. But actions are at the heart. In with actions and in truth. Because the truth is seen. The truth of love is seen in action, isn't it? And then also, and this is a sad bit, you can have an abusive father who says, I love you, to his children. And what does he show there? Well, he actually could, because you see, the children will get their definition of love from that abuse. Which makes it even more horrible when you think about church leaders who, who abuse people and then speak of love. What does that speak of, of God? It, it's awful, isn't it? Because, I'd say this, for all of us, the definition of love that we know has come from action. If we've been loved by anybody... That will be where we've got our definition. And if someone has served us till it hurts them, and we see that, that will be our definition of love. Is that true? We're loved by God, you know that? How many people have audibly heard with their ears God say, I love you? Some people might. Not many of us. How do we know God loves us? By his actions. And there are many, and there are ongoing actions. And we can see, not just, I mean, we talk about what he's done through Christ, but the ongoing serving he does of us, his provision, his blessing. He's given us every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realm through Christ, and he keeps pouring his blessings on us. He loves us. He sacrifices some for us. The Father went through the pain of that same event to prove that he loved us. Well, it's proof that he loved us. So we see in that the nature of love, which includes grace and mercy and God's gift of righteousness. God has loved us in action and in truth. And, when it, and as a result of that, we receive the Holy Spirit we receive the forgiveness of sins, we are washed and cleansed, and we're called into this life as children of God. And in that, we love God. And we really love Him, don't we? And the more we hear of Him, and the more we know of Him, the more we love Him. And not only that, there's this overflow, the more that we know God, 
the more that we love others around us, don't we? And the more that ourselves and, and, and all of that selfishness falls away, that we can truly love one another. And so here is a command. Love one another as he has loved you. And here's a promise. He will do it in you. So walk in it. It's a, it's a, I've used this definition before, but it's like this, okay? When the river's flowing fast, okay, and it has a few times, if you were to swim out into the middle, okay, and you were to swim against it, okay, have you ever seen it where it's about the same speed as you're swimming? If you, you're going to get tired and you're going to get nowhere, okay? But if you were to turn around and swim towards the dam, you were going to go fast. Because you're swimming, in fact, you'd just be able to stroke along nicely. You'll be taken away by the current. And it's all good. The Holy Spirit in you is calling you and giving you the desire to love God and to love one another. You can fight it. Yeah, you can be nasty. That's stupid. You're just going to get worn out. And you're going to get nowhere. But when you swim, when you walk the walk of the Spirit, when you walk with Him... It's going to be great. And you're going fast. I'm going to pray. Father, what we've heard tonight has been, I guess we could say, a, a great challenge to us. And, and we, we know what we're like and we know the way that we like to protect our, our lives and, and our selfishness. But we also hear deep in our spirits the truth of this call. We know that it's right. And so, Father, I pray that you would make us people who swim with your spirit, who swim with the current, who love as you've loved us. And, Father, I pray that you would remind each one of us again the way that you've loved us through your son, Jesus, so that we might have all that we need to live in your love. And I pray this in Jesus' name. We're going to sing again.